Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us from the United States and around the world. Today we focus on A Course in Miracles in our virtual class format with Robert Rosenthal, MD. In these segments, Dr. Bob and I break down specific sections and offer our interpretations to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concepts of the course. If you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the authorized publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's Board of Directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before retiring to take on this position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of the course's co-scribe, Dr. Bill Thetford. Dr. Bob is the author of From Nevermind to Evermind, Transforming the Self to Embrace Miracles, and this is the first of a five-book series on the principles of A Course in Miracles. He is also the author of From Plagues to Miracles, From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of the Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit. If you would like to connect, you can read excerpts and purchase from Nevermind to Evermind or From Plagues to Miracles at drbob-author.com, and that is without punctuation, except for the hyphen, that is drbob-author.com. To learn more about and purchase A Course in Miracles, if you would like to study along with us, we'd love to have you. Visit acim.org, as in A Course in Miracles.org. To review the archives of our virtual classes, visit spiritualinsightsradio.com. So today we're, we're still in Chapter 17. We're in Section 5, The Healed Relationship, and we're going to pick up where we left off last time. But join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. Hey, Dr. Bob. Hey, Char. How are you? I'm doing good. Oh, I'm excited. Me too. I, I love this section so much. I get so filled with energy, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Now, these have been um, really wonderful uh, segments because that they allow us to really get into the material, and I find it just expands in a beautiful way when we both um, – you know, sort of put our magnifying glasses to it. <laughs> yes. But what also strikes me vividly is the timing of it. Is no matter what section we're on or how many paragraphs we do, it's so appropriate to what's happening around me. And so this, again, is one of those times where people are experiencing turbulence in their relationships because of the shifts that we've been going through for most of the year. So... Mm. 
there's some pretty important points to make about relationships in general. And one that I wanted to emphasize was that we have to keep in mind that relationships run in seven-year cycles. At the end of that seven years, it goes up to a new level. So if anyone listening is around the 7, 14, 21 mark or later, that relationship's going to ascend, and you have to adjust. You must adjust accordingly in order for that relationship to survive. Um, and so the paragraphs that we'll be working with today uh, that adds a little support to what we'll be talking about, you know? Yeah, I mean, you make a really good point and one that I think listeners old and new um, would bene- benefit remembering, which is this is not <laughs> – how to put it? Well, we've talked about this before. It's not just a book. It, it's a portal. Um, when you engage with A Course in Miracles, someone I know called it a living book – in the sense that it's going to shift to meet you where you are. And having you know worked with it now for well over, I mean, it's been, gosh, 40, almost 44 years. Um, wow. It's met me where I was consistently. So I can look back and, you know, I certainly felt like I understood it very well, you know, when I was in my mid-20s. And given what was going on in my life at that time, I did. But as you take in the learning and the lessons and allow, you know, allow basically the Holy Spirit to begin to transform your relationships and the goals that you held, um, the course shifts to meet you. And I know in our study groups, we're always laughing about how each time we go through a lesson or each time we read a section of the text, we're, um, we're, we're sort of uh, chuckling at, like, whoa, why did I underline that passage? Because this is clearly the one that's important. Well, the last time you read it, the other passage was important. This time, um, a different couple of lines pop out and speak to you. And in fact, in briefly looking it over before today, I, uh, I've just uh, finished a, a book on relationships in A Course in Miracles. It'll be released in February of 2020. And it's called um, From Loving One to One Love, Transforming Relationships Ooh. Through A Course in Miracles. And, you know, in one of the paragraphs in this, I was like, ah, I'm going to have to find a way to incorporate that, even at this 11th hour, because I'm in the final editing process. And it's like, yeah, I didn't say that. So the book, and this consistently happens, shows me what I need to know, even in the process of writing books. Um, something will come up. Um, I've been doing a little bit of editing in other parts of the course because there, there are certain places that just need a little bit of an update to today's grammatical rules. And, mm. and, and the, the course, you know, Jesus basically shows me like, oh, yeah, pay attention to this one. You didn't do it before. And I'm like, ah, yeah, why didn't I? So it's, it's a wonderful process when you realize the level of guidance that is there for you if if and when you're willing to open up to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I am yeah. so glad to hear that you're in the final editing phase. I'm looking forward to that. I have not gotten through uh, from Nevermind to Evermind, but when I do, we'll definitely devote a segment to that. That would be great. Um, I'd love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, – oh, I, I wanted to tell you something funny because you're saying, why did I underline that? 
Uh-huh. Um, someday when we get together, I'm going to bring my old book with me, and I'm going to show you what I did to it. Because I really took ownership of it, which is something I didn't usually do with books. I don't like to deface them by writing in the margins. This, my old, my first copy, uh-huh. is highlighted, underlined, double underlined, and the highlighters are yellow, green, and pink. So one of those colors was about family. The other color was about life in general. The other color was about my ego or something. So there was like a whole method. I love it. But, you know, almost 20 years later, I had started to look at this a couple of years ago, and I was like, I can't get around all the highlighting in the notes. And the and the, the dead butterfly stuck between the pages and the flowers and all the <laughs> stuff. So I, I went out and got a new copy. Uh, a couple of years ago, and now I only write in pencil <laughs> when we oh, that's what, great. what month and year we do each section. Other than that, I'm not going to underline anything except for teaching purposes because I want it to be fresh. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't want yeah. that confusion of what was I thinking back then? <laughs> well, your old book sounds very much like my wife's book, which is, you know, multicolored paragraph highlights. Um, and then. Um, uh, one of the early course students, a guy named John Fetzer, who was an owner of the Detroit Tigers, and um, and actually there's oh. a wonderful biography about him that's available for free um, to anyone who uh, wants it. Um, and uh, and 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 I saw a copy of his edition of the text, and he had used pencil, and every single line of every single page was underlined. And, no. and I, I, I wondered how that process worked. Was it like, yes, this is just so great that I'm just going along? Uh, because, of course, if everything's underlined, you might as well not underline anything at all. But it, right. but it felt to me like such a vote of um, not confidence, of recognition. Yes, this is speaking to me. Yes, this is speaking to me again and again and again. And yeah. uh you know, I mean, the course tells us that the ego is the one that makes comparisons, and I'm fully aware that when I underline one section uh, and not another, I'm making a comparison. To which I mm-hmm. answer, well, I'm still in a body, and I do still have uh, an ego that shows up all too often for my tastes, and so I'm still learning, and I do learn mm-hmm. by comparison. Uh, and yes. in fact, it also says in another place that the Holy Spirit teaches through contrast. So great i'm learning through contrast <laughs> there you go and there's also yeah. that that uh exercise where when you write something down it's like committing to it and committing it to memory so that also feels like he wanted to inhale the book and just have it all in his mind all at once you know what i mean yes that's good yeah yeah, yeah. keep it fresh underline it like uh commit to it that kind of thing yes get the recognition and then it's like oh this is what I need. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, there yeah. is something I wanted to bring up, and it's been a while since it was completed, but I neglected to congratulate the new website, ACIM.org, and <laughs> you had totally restructured and rearranged it. It is beautiful and easy to follow now. And we're actually still in the process of making changes, adding things, Um but yeah, I mean, if you want some real, you know, deep background on the scribes, uh, we have their autobiographies up on there. Um, Bill 
is very, very long. Helen's is less so. Um, you know, we've got, uh, I mean, we just keep adding things. And, of course, you can link to the daily lesson um, in, I don't know, it's, it's at least five different languages now. And as we get audio in the different languages, we're adding the audio, which makes for a very cool experience to read and listen to someone else read it at the same time. You know, it's kind of like popping into three dimensions because the course is taken in very differently auditorily than when you're reading it. Um, I'll often take a walk and listen to the English audio, and I'm absolutely noticing things that um, that I don't necessarily notice when I'm reading it. But overall, it, it just comes in differently. So one of my big pushes now is to um, get get the audio done in, um, in at least all of the major languages uh, to the extent that that's that that's doable that we find narrators and uh i mean it's it's a real intensive process to to get an audiobook done for a course in miracles because it has to go through a vetting process and make sure that the lines have been read you know at least uh with some degree of uh clarity um but yeah listening to it is great so so for english and um I forget what other languages we might have, um, but you know where where audios are available, we we've added those to um, to the lessons. But wow. it's, a, it's it's a beautiful website, and my um, co-president partner Tam Morgan really was sort of the driving force behind it, and she's very playful. So there are all kinds of little surprises. You know, if you click in places that don't look like they have any click it'll take you to you know like it'll be like a little trap door that takes you to a different section of the website and shows you something you might not have discovered on your own um, oh well wow. it's it's like an advent calendar but with where did you don't know where you're clicking <laughs> <laughs> i have to ask a question that sounds yeah. like an enormous amount of work detail it sounds um Look, it takes a long – it's a long process and very – you have to be very focused and make sure all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted and commas are in the right place. How many people have yeah. you put in straitjackets after working on something like that? Oh, I won't even begin to tell you. I mean, plus, <laughs> you know, the team that worked on it, one was an absolute techie who's brilliant and – you know, could figure out all the tech stuff. The other was kind of like a, a 19th century artist who had no connection to tech and could have cared less and was doing all of the drawings by hand and trying to get these two integrated um, was, was quite a task. But I think that's wow. partly why the website comes across, you know, as it does. I mean, it doesn't look like a normal website and, you know, I mean, you, you go right to the home page and there's a ticker tape going across the the middle that has the lesson of the day. Um, you know, instead of watching the stock ticker tape on whatever the wall street journal, you're getting the daily lesson. And the original idea, which got a little bit lost. Um, the original idea was to have the font of the ticker tape be the old typewriter font courier and it moves across in a little bit of a stuttery fashion because the idea was, here's Bill typing up Helen's notes <gasps> of the lesson oh. as it goes across. And for me, I mean, I just get sort of this this warm chill of love when I think about it. 
you know, that, that, and that was totally Tam's idea to have it, you know, the beginnings of it be there as the current user tunes into the website and there's the lesson, you know, in a sense being typed anew because there is only the present moment. And, um, you know, here it is. It's, it's fresh and new for us each time we approach it. It's beautiful. And I, I love the you. pace of it. It's like the ticker tape on TV when they're telling you other yeah. stuff while other people are talking. And the letters just That's pop right. up and you go very slowly and just absorb it. Absorb it. Um, deny we were created in his love and we deny ourselves to be unsure of who we are, of who our father is, and for what purpose we have come. And it just flows. So beautiful. Good. Yeah. I'm glad I brought it up. Well, and it's also sort of like the, um, for those familiar with um, Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism in particular, I think, they have these prayer wheels that have the prayer Om Mane Padme Hum in them, and you swing the prayer wheel around, and each time it rotates, it's kind of mm-hmm. like the prayer is said, even though no one's saying it, so you swing the prayer wheels. Well, here on the website, the lesson is going around and around and around, you know, however many times in the course of 24 hours. Um, And uh, whether anyone's looking at it or not, there it is. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. Well, I love the animation. The animation is beautiful. Mm. The colors are beautiful, the blues and golds. And I just realized when you hover your mouse over the top bar, at the top, the gold bar, uh, the light comes on. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that's in there. <laughs> this is fun. Okay, good. Yeah, it's fun. Alrighty. Fantastic. So let us turn to the section at hand. Again, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen, we're in Chapter 17, Forgiveness and the Holy Relationship, Section 5, The Healed Relationship. We have spent considerable time talking about the unholy relationship. Now we step onto the bridge to the healed relationship. And so a lot has been discussed, but we're going to pick up at paragraph seven and see how far we get. Sounds good. Yeah. You want to start Uh, us off today? I will start us off if you like. Sounds good. Okay. Now the ego counsels thus substitute for this, another relationship to which your former goal was it was, let me start over. Now the ego counsels thus, substitute for this another relationship to which your former goal was quite appropriate. You can escape from your distress only by getting rid of your brother. You need not part entirely if you choose not to do so. But you must exclude major areas of fantasy from your brother to save your sanity. Italics with an exclamation point. Hear not this now. Have faith in him who answered you. He heard. Has he not been very explicit in his answer? You are not now wholly insane. Can you deny that he has given you a most explicit statement? Now he asks for faith a little longer, even in bewilderment. For this will go, and you will see the justification for your faith emerge to bring you shining conviction. Abandon him not now, nor your brother. This relationship has been reborn as holy. Mm-mm-mm. Here's what I think about this particular section and this uh, paragraph. The way it's set up, because it's, I guess it's so personal, a, a subject or a personal yeah. relationships. There's a paragraph, is it, it's like a punch in the face. It, it really packs a punch. 
Then it breaks it down. And then here comes another one, like paragraph seven. Really packs a punch. And then it goes on to break it down. So that, to me, is something to read over and over. But this is what I take from this. The ever-present reminder that relationships are mirrors. Sometimes we don't like the reflection. When we don't like the reflection, the ego says, well, abandon it and find another. Mm. I say that you can divide the relationship into compartments in an attempt to maintain the relationship with realistic goals. Major areas of fantasy, to me, means illusions that we hold about the other person and the quote-unquote meaning that the relationship holds for you. Going forward to sentence 11, can you deny that he is – nope, now he asks for faith. Now he asks for faith a little longer, even in bewilderment. For me, this is an introduction to the idea that understanding is not a prerequisite to acceptance. So even without a complete understanding of all the shifting and moving parts and reflections of this relationship, whichever one you choose to examine, you can accept what is, place it in the hands of the Holy Spirit, and rest assured that it will shift in time. Transformation is gradual, but the holy instant is immediate. Once you hit that holy instant and that radical change that is referenced in Paragraph 5, only a radical shift in purpose could induce a complete change of mind about what the whole relationship is for. And so as you allow that holy instant to occur, then the transformation can pick up pace, I think, with your acceptance. Even if you don't understand it, even in your bewilderment of what is happening and what is happening for you. But again, with that seven-year mark, when you hit turbulence, it's time to grow. It's time to look at where you are in that alliance. That's the biggest thing I get from that. Yeah. Um, I loved how you began by talking about how personal it is. And I think it sometimes helps to remember that A Course in Miracles came to two people, Helen Schuckman and Bill Thetford, who were struggling with their relationship in an ongoing way. Um, you know, when you talk to people who knew them at the time, uh, and I'm thinking of Judy Scutch Whitson here, who I know well and who sat with them, you know, or, or Ken Wapnick writes about this in, uh, in, in Helen's biography, Absence from Felicity, the two of them, you know, it was kind of like they'd just spark and start to argue and get into conflict over almost anything. And as we know, Helen was in love with Bill. He didn't return those feelings. Um, a lot of material for a lot of conflict. So the course came to these two, and in the very earliest drafts, a lot of times it was addressed to them directly. And in the final edit, it was really important because they realized it wasn't just for them. It was for everyone. So in the final edit, it was really important to address it not to Bill and Helen, um, but to you and your brother, because one relationship is all relationships in the eyes of the Holy Spirit, and we're all doing the same thing, you know, working our way with the Holy Spirit's guidance from specialness to holiness. But this section, um, you know, the paragraph that Char just read and the couple before it and the couple that come after it, I, I just feel it going to the two of them in an extremely personal way um, that – 
that you know just kind of puts me in awe and simultaneously you know speaks to me because it is talking uh, as, as you said Shar about you know the change be- from specialness to holiness um, I think what that beginning of the paragraph is talking about is that the change from specialness to holiness and notice it, it it's not the choice of the intention is quick. There must be a better way. Um, I can't go on the way I am, you know, in a 12 step parlance hitting bottom. So the decision that a change has to happen is, is quite abrupt. The playing out of that then can take a great deal of time or maybe not so much. That's highly individualized. You know, the course tells us that the curriculum is highly individualized for each person. So Mm. what this paragraph is telling us is, okay, you've made, you've set the intention. You no longer want the special relationship. You've recognized that it doesn't bring you love. It doesn't bring you happiness. It brings you this, this facsimile that always, you know, comes up short in some way, shape or form. But it's pointing out that if this is the point where the ego goes, no, 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 you know, don't hang in there with your goal. Go find someone else, for God's sakes. You're not going to get it from this person. And, and you know, you can escape from your distress only by getting rid of your brother. And then it's like, okay, you don't have to part entirely from him if you, don't, if you choose not to do so. But you have to take all of these huge areas of fantasy that you had laid on this one special person who was going to give you so much um, to complete your, you know, miserable, inadequate self. Um, mm-hmm. And now you have to transfer all those fantasies somewhere else. You know, you, you have to exclude them from that person um, in order to go on. And it's saying, no, don't do that. In fact, the fantasies are the things that we have to let go of. Those are the goals of specialness that that in the transparency of love we see through and we see them as pointless. So it's saying, no, you know, don't, don't go take it to someone else. I mean, this would be kind of the um, – the relational relationship equivalent of what Alcoholics Anonymous calls the geographic cure. You know, ah, I got to stop drinking. This town has too many bars. I'm going to move 10 miles away to that dry town that has no bars, and then I won't drink. And no, you, you oh. can't deal with it externally. It's not about the external person you're relating to, because as you said, they're all always just mirrors of self. Um, it's about your inner world and recognizing that you always have the choice between love and fear, you know, guilt and sin on the one hand or salvation and the atonement on the other. And which do you choose in this relationship that you have now designated that you would like to be a holy relationship? And as we'll see in the coming paragraphs, you know, when you make that change, it's it's pretty discombobulating. And I, I promise you, I mean, I'm, I've lived through some and I'm living through others. And, and, you know, the ego always tries to pull us back into specialness. What, you know, what can I get from this person that will, you know, sort of burnish my credentials? And what sacrifice do I have to make in return to give them what they need um, to keep the relationship in balance? Um, that's the essence of specialness. It's a bargain. It's not a joining in love. 
And so what this mm. paragraph is telling us is, you know, cut out the bargaining, have faith that the Holy Spirit, you called them in, um, you know, Helen and Bill made the commitment that they wanted to do this differently. And this is saying, you know, have a little faith. Um, let let the Holy Spirit do his work. Don't go saying, you know, screw this, I'm out of here. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this isn't working. This isn't, you know, this isn't what I'm used to. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love the visual of handing it over to the Holy Spirit because we don't know um, what what we right. need, what makes us happy. All we can do with our minds is redefine the relationship to still try to meet the goal as we saw it. But if you hand it over to the holy relationship, all you need to do after that is sit back and observe and watch those shifts occur. Just sit back. You don't have to do anything. Once you make that decision, once you invite that radical change in your mind and you invite the Holy Spirit, come in, show me, show me what needs to fall away. Um, Just observe and let it flow because Wrestling with a relationship, trying to – it's like origami. Suppose it all comes unraveled and you're trying to fold it back up. You're just going to wrinkle it more and more and more. It's not going to be pretty. So That's nice. Let it grow on its own because the goal, as, you know, as it talks about, you know, the goal is ancient. The goal is love, real love. Yeah. And it's our job as human beings to walk that path back to love and oneness. And like it says on – on the website, the truth of our oneness with God and love. And so the separation might make it a little tricky, but we have the ability, if we have the willingness, that once we make that decision and extend that invitation, then all you need to do is step back and let it be done from the inside out. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, we still have to be vigilant when the ego comes in, but absolutely there's nothing that we need to, um, you know, proactively do to make the relationship better it's not about a doing it's an undoing it's about removing all that's false and when we remove all that's false what's left is what's true and what's true is love um and Mm -hmm. oneness uh that's and and you said something important earlier that i meant to pick up on about you know you don't have to understand it there's a line um somewhere in the course and i can't tell you where it is i'm not remembering that says first you have to forgive and then you can understand, you know, forgiveness has to come first. When we take our special relationship and make it holy, what we're doing is, is practicing forgiveness. We're letting go of the past. We're seeing our sister, our brother anew in the present moment without the burden of their past or our past. And in the present, without all of that nonsense, they're just, you know, there's just love there. And um, in my upcoming book, I give some examples of, of, of how that can play out. People really do change. We don't realize how much we imprison others in our projections. And what we see in them is what we have decided they are, not what they really are. And when you let go and give those uh, projections up and say, you know, to the Holy Spirit, you know, one of the great lines, take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me, because his only judgment is going to be there's no sin here. You're both innocent. You're both one in the eyes of God. Um, and when you do that, it's like there's this transformation. And suddenly that other person begins to behave towards you in different ways. Or maybe they go away. You know, 
Maybe it's like the person who was your ultimate nemesis announces to you, you know what? I got a job in San Diego. I'm moving there. It's been nice. And suddenly they're just out of your life. I mean, the Holy Spirit knows how to do this. We do not. And the big mistake we make over and over is pushing God out of the way in the form of the Holy Spirit and saying, no, 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 you don't got this one. I know what I want. I know how to do it better than you. And, of course, the moment that happens, we've lost the helper that that would, would be able to, you know, guide us truly. Um, so, uh, yeah, you don't have to understand it. In fact, you can't because our understanding is based only on the past, and the past is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and wrestling with that understanding, that. like I said, all, all the little moving parts, you can't understand all of it. You don't have – you don't have the vision for that. You don't. You don't have the right. the scope of how big that really is. So um, understanding it, I know it. It hurts when you don't understand why something's happening or why somebody's behaving the way they are. But you can accept it to allow it to shift. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that um, again, when you hit turbulence, struggling with it keeps it stuck it keeps it mm. you you're you have a grip on it because you're struggling with it let go let go and let him interpret it for you and redefine it according to his will because decisions are made by the holy spirit based on what will be harmonious between the parties and anyone else in the circle it can't be just you what's making you unhappy or dissatisfied it's not about just you it's about everybody in the relationship Okay, it's everybody involved. So he has to make that decision in harmony with the soul contracts of everyone, not just your personal yes. preferences. Like, please make this woman stop nagging at me. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's well, let's see why she's nagging. Where does she feel lack? You know that kind of thing. And so yes. he, that's his yes. scope. We can't do that. So trust him to do it. We'd only screw it up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we don't have the big picture. You know. You know, we just had like the frame. You're stuck in the woods, and you, you know, all you're seeing is this dense uh, blanket of trees in front of you, behind you, everywhere you look. But the Holy Spirit is hovering up there, you know, like a perfect GPS drone with the complete big picture, knows exactly where you are, knows the right direction to pull you out of there. And uh, if you try it on your own, you're going to get lost. You're going to get lost. Yes, absolutely. Just like you've Good been point. for the from all of your life. Oh, the one thing I wanted to mention, you know, the goal of the relationship was set that I had said it's ancient. So whatever relationship that um, you as a listener are examining and applying these uh, concepts to, just remember, this isn't your first uh, run around the block with this person. You did the same thing back in the early 1700s. This is just a little more modern. (laughs) So. You have to really get to the core of it, which is that you came to this plane to go through and experience this relationship and learn more about yourself as a result of it. I just thought that was a cute point. Like, oh, yeah, we've, we did this in the 1700s. I'm not doing it again. You know, that kind of thing. I like that. I like that. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Paragraph 8. All right. You ready? Paragraph 8. Accept with gladness what you do not understand, and let it be explained to you as you perceive its purpose work in it 
to make it holy. You will find many opportunities to blame your brother for the, quote, failure of your relationship, for it will seem at times to have no purpose. A sense of sinlessness will come to haunt you and to remind you of all the ways you once sought for satisfaction and thought you found it. Forget not now the misery you really found, and do not breathe life into your failing ego, for your relationship has not been disrupted. It has been saved. Okay, let me let me interrupt you right there. Could you yeah. read that again? Uh, because in sentence three, sinlessness is actually aimlessness. Oh shit! Yes, you are right. Thank yeah. you. So just read um, just read the whole will... thing over like you just started, and I'll just edit that part out. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Paragraph eight. Accept with gladness what you do not understand, and let it be explained to you as you perceive its purpose. Work in it to make it holy. You will find many opportunities to blame your brother for the, quote, failure of your relationship, for it will seem at times to have no purpose. A sense of aimlessness will come to haunt you and to remind you of all the ways you once sought for satisfaction and thought you found it. Forget not now the misery you really found and do not breathe life into your failing ego, for your relationship has not been disrupted. It has been saved. So it starts mm. right out with what we were just talking about, um, except with gladness what you do not understand, because you can't understand it. Um, you have to, it says, let it be explained to you. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean in words. You know, you're not going to get a, a paragraph from the Holy Spirit. Let it be explained to you as you perceive its purpose, work in it to make it holy. In other words, as you allow it to unfold you will see the result, and as you see the result and experience it, that's the explanation. You'll then begin to understand how it works. Remember, A Course in Miracles is a completely radical um, teaching. It seems to turn upside down everything we know. In fact, the truth is everything we thought we knew is upside down. We're insane, um, and uh Hence the line in that last paragraph, you're not now wholly insane, just a little mm-hmm. insane. But the mm-hmm. Course takes what was upside down and turns it right side up. But to us, that feels insane. So what this is saying, you know, yeah, you're going you're gonna to backslide. You're going to find many opportunities to blame your brother for the failure of, relationship, of your relationship. Well, the failure, meaning the failure of all of your projections and your special goals and your false uh, – your, your, your false um, needs that, that you wanted this relationship to fulfill. It's going to feel like a sense of aimlessness because the goals that you had have been withdrawn. Um, and this goes right to um, the chapter in my first book, From Plagues to Miracles on the Wilderness, which um, – many people have told me has just been incredibly helpful for them. And that is when you really give up an addiction and let's face it, a special relationship is a very intense addiction. When you give up an addiction, your whole world has to change because you saw your world through the lens of that addiction. 
So you saw this relationship through the lens of specialness. It was all about the specialness that your brother brought to you, whether that was, you know, they complimented you or you had great physical sex with them or they had tons of money and would buy you the things you needed. And now all of those purposes or any others have been lifted from the relationship. And so you're kind of in this space um, it, it's of whoa, what is it for? I, I don't know what it's for. And that can feel very uncomfortable. I, I, it's the wilderness because in the story of Exodus, once the Hebrew people leave Egypt and slavery and cross the Red Sea to freedom, they are really free. They don't know what freedom is. So there's this sense of wandering and aimlessness and where are we and how do we get here? And in that wilderness, what happens we start to look back to the past as if it was something wonderful. So in the story of Exodus, the Hebrew people start saying, wasn't it great in Egypt? We had melons and leeks and all the bread and meat we could eat. I mean, and it's really pretty astounding because reading it, you go, whoa, dudes, you were slaves. You know, you didn't have all that you could eat. Um, but this is what the ego does. It takes the past and it accentuates the fantasy of what was good and blocks out what was bad. I was just recently working um, with someone, uh, a, a psychotherapy uh, patient of mine who had very bravely and strongly worked her way out of an abusive relationship. I won't go into any of the details, but in working her way out of the abuse, um, there was a part of her that was going wait a minute, wait a minute, I had a nice life then. I could, you know, travel first class. I, my family felt comfortable. And I had to point out that, no, you were miserable. Um, it didn't work. And how great that you have found your way out of that slavery. So this is why it says, you know, um, a sense of aimlessness will come to haunt you and to remind you of all the ways you once sought for satisfaction and thought you found it. Forget not now the misery you really found, because it was miserable. Um, it reminds me there was a, a paragraph I wrote in that section of From Plagues to Miracles that talks about the past and this, this need to make the past this golden age. And in the paragraph, I can't quote it, but it's kind of like, oh, we remember childhood and how wonderful it was to have the long summers, and but we forget the bullying and the teasing in school. Or we remember first love and how great that was, but we we don't remember the pain of the breakup or or when we were cheated on. In other words, the ego does this very selective bait and switch and says, um, hey, it was great back then. And of course, if the past really was that great, you're screwed anyway because you can't get back there. But it wasn't great. It always had misery. Um, there were always the things that weren't good. The present is your point of power. It's where decisions get made. And the fact that you've gotten to a present moment where you have chosen a holy relationship over a special relationship is incredible. I mean, you know, the Course tells us that miracles are about saving time. Um, and, you know, Shar was talking about the 17th century. You know, by making that one commitment, you've saved thousands of years of illusionary time and probably countless lifetimes of, of very slow learning. So this paragraph is saying, basically, 
Don't let yourself get pulled back. And to quote the last two lines, for your relationship has not been disrupted, which is how the ego feels it. Your relationship has not been disrupted. It has been saved. So, um, yeah, this is this is like right out of, you know, the wilderness part of the Exodus journey. Mm. Wow. Okay. I have just a few <laughs> points to make. Um um, I can't stop staring at you. your relationship has not been disrupted. It's okay. Let's go with the marble reference where you have a block of marble and the sculptor is sculpting this beautiful, mm. glorious statue, but chipping away at it hurts. And so the relationship is not disrupted or broken in, in the general context, but it's, as it as it matures, other parts have to fall away. The illusions have to fall away. It doesn't happen all at once. It kind of happens bit by bit, chip, chip, chip. And so you get to a point where you think it's over, but it, it doesn't mean it needs to be, unless that is in the case of an abusive relationship where the other person um, is incapable of correcting their behavior. Um, if you choose to stay, what I feel is that the ego perceives, you had mentioned the slaves in Egypt, um, oh, it was better off back then when we were slaves because you never know how much man is going to fall, you know, and the rule was take all that you need for today and don't worry about the rest, but that was too difficult. What I think happens in the ego is that consistency is perceived as stability. The slaves knew when the food was going to be served. It didn't matter how much there would be because there was there was clockwork to it. And so in relationships, I think when we have a certain consistency, even if it's dysfunctional, it's consistent, which makes you feel like you're on stable ground. But when that starts to rumble, that ground, and it starts to break up and says, it says, no, you need to, re- you need to look at this and you need to grow with this. And it is evolving, so you must evolve too. I had mentioned you have to adapt accordingly. And so when those adaptation periods come, it feels like everything's falling apart. It's really just coming together. Everything's everything's revealing itself to mm. you in its truthfulness. And so um, that is the strongest message that that paragraph gives that that paragraph gives me is. Don't don't deem it broken when it's just being reorganized, so to speak. Well, yeah, I mean, and I liked what you were saying about, you know, the consistency and the predictability. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. In one of its great lines, the Course says, um, change is fearful to the separated because their first experience of change was the separation. Uh, so anything that feels inconsistent or not not in keeping not in alignment with the past feel scary Uh oh you know it's that idea it could always get worse um so why take the risk of trying to make it better but behind this is a very um i i think it's really key to recognize that the special relationship is based on a premise 
that you are lacking, you are inferior, you are guilty. You need something from that other person, um, and you're you're calling what that that stuff you need love. But really, what you want is for them to see you as special, and you see them as special. Um, the section of the text called uh, the laws of chaos, basically, you know, the final law of chaos is let's let specialness replace love. Um, you know, so we want specialness in place of love. But what's really going on? is we feel guilty and we feel shame over separating from God. We made this monumentous mistake, uh, which we call a sin, and we try to cover that up in the special relationship by going, oh, no, you know, we don't really need God. We, we just need this special someone, you know. Um, once they love us, all will be well in the world. And so when sinlessness, when holiness begins to come in, Part of what's going on here is we're saying to the Holy Spirit and God, no, we're guilty. We don't deserve this. And we want to go back to the old way and beat ourselves up because we think we deserve it. And what the Holy Spirit is constantly saying is, no, you don't deserve it. You are as God created you. You are the innocent son of God. You are the Christ. Um, and just trust me, let me move your relationship in that direction a little bit and see what it feels like to have the guilt and the fear removed from it, even a little bit. And, you know, when you do, of course, it feels good. And and then feeling good, you can let it go a little further and a little further and a little further. But yes, we want to go back to what we knew, to to that consistency but in part, we want to go back to it because we're afraid of God. We're afraid of love. We don't think we deserve it. And we have to have the experience of it in order to recognize, oh, yeah, I know this. This is really good. This is actually what I want. Peace, love, oneness, joining, um, you know, all that good stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like your point about yeah. being afraid of God. I also, um, what what jumped to my mind was we're also afraid of real love in many cases. Same, so well, that is even God, if, right? <laughs> right, exactly. But think back in terms of whether you were a teenager, young adult, how you were with a person, and whether people would vocally say, you know, what are you doing with that person? You need to get away <laughs> from that person. But you want to be with them because you like the way you feel when you're with them. When you're with them. Think back in your life yeah. how many times you had an opportunity to be with a really, really good person and opted to go for the one who was wrong for you instead. It's because of you want to you want to stay with the person who's wrong for you. There's the consistency, which lends to the ego the illusion of stability. At least they're consistent in how often they disappoint you. You can depend on that person. You can depend on them to let you down or put you down mm -hmm. or, or make you feel bad when, when it's most unexpected. But when we look at what we were trading, what we were trading for that experience was really just this thing that was so scary because it was unfamiliar. To experience true love, someone who puts you first your feelings and, res and actually respects them and works diligently uh, to not hurt you it's scary so I wanted to point that out 
I also wanted to say, um, nope, that was pretty much it. I just, it just really came to mind how, how we can turn away a, a really good opportunity in favor of what resonates more with the guilt that we feel about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, that's our selection, uh, not the Holy spirits. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't know, we don't know what's going to make us happy. Um, you know, I, I, and a lot of talks, I, I say, this is my issue with some, um, otherwise really wonderful teachings like Abraham Hicks or Seth, um, that, emphasize you know you can manifest what you want the problem yeah you can the problem is you don't really know what will make you happy you what you really want is is god and the remembrance of your true self which is mm-hmm. which lies in your brother and in that holy relationship anything else that's not that that you think you want is going to be some form of specialness and it's going to keep you from what you want so we go around chasing after what we what we think we want um, oh, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that, not realizing that every time we make the choice on our own, we actually are choosing against what we really want. The choice for what we really mm-hmm. want says, okay, I have no clue, please take this from me, and I'm going to follow your lead, Holy Spirit. And now let mm. me listen. Let me listen. Um, I was going to say earlier, and it's funny, I forgot, One, you know, sometimes we just get really stuck Um you know, about our feelings about someone. And a nice way to manage that is if you're really feeling, you know, angry or frustrated or ashamed, or, you know, if, if you say, if you can say, they made me feel this way, well, no, they didn't make you, they, they triggered it. But if you're having really strong feelings, it's okay to acknowledge them. Um, what I'll sometimes do is get out a pad of paper and just start writing them all down. And they said this, and that's not true. And, you know, rebut it as if I was in a debate, say whatever I need to say. And once I get it all out of me, usually I just put the paper aside. And when I come back to it and think about, you know, do I need to say that to the person? No, not at all. It's like, let me just expel all that stuff from my mind. And by putting it on a sheet of paper, it, it just makes it much easier for me to say, yeah, I, I don't want to go there. You know, now that I see it all in writing, I got it out of my system. Um, you know, I choose peace. I, I want peace. I want love. Um, but sometimes just writing it all down and, you know, vomiting it out onto a sheet of paper, so to speak, uh, can be a nice technique for remembering what you really want and what you really don't want. Mm, mm-hmm. And the statement from A Course in Miracles really that pushed me into that pivot that changed my life was the line that the ego will forever have you chasing what it does not want you to find. Mm. Keeps dangling those shiny objects. This will make you happy. That will make you happy. And you go for it. And whether you achieve it or not. But do not find. Right. There's the agony of not achieving what you want. And then there's the agony of getting what you want and realizing it doesn't make you happy. That's it, exactly. That's it. You just summarized the whole ego world. <laughs> yes, yep. absolutely. Do you want to squeeze in one more paragraph? or? Yeah, let's do that. I think, sure. it would, I think it would work. Paragraph nine. I do too. I agree. 
Okay. Here's paragraph nine. You are very new in the ways of salvation and think you have lost your way. Italics, your way is lost. But think not this is lost. In your newness, remember that you and your brother have started again together. And take his hand to walk together along a road far more familiar than you now believe. It is not certain that you will remember a goal unchanged throughout it. Oh, sorry. Is it not certain that you will remember a goal unchanged throughout eternity? For you have chosen but the goal of God, from which your true intent was never absent. This is where I got the idea for the the go-round in the 1700s. Mm. You're just taking this journey to, again. You're just doing it together. And I want to point out that life, we're here to grow. We're here for, for the growth of our soul. Relationships are the main thing that teaches us that. It brings us those pains that help us find our way through the fire and back to God. So in relationships, we get the most, we make the most progress in terms of emotional and spiritual maturity. So with this saying, you're new to this. It's not that we're new to it. It's that we have to remember. We're new to this experience. We're not new to the overall experience of this is how relationships work and this is how the ego disrupts and, and molds them, okay? So you're new, to the, in, you're new in the ways of salvation and think you have lost your way. So your perception of your way or your path, that is lost. But this is not a loss that you are experiencing. What you're, what you're doing is actually gaining. In your newness, remember that you and your brother have started again together. And so you've signed up for this with that other person. Let's take this journey. Let's see what we can learn about ourselves. And then take his hand to walk together along the road far more familiar than you now believe. That's, that's the remembering. We know at soul level what this is for and, and, and what the result is. But we have to remember is it not certain that you will remember a goal unchanged throughout eternity? It's always been the same goal, like we talked earlier. That's about love and God. Uh, for you have chosen but the goal of God, from which your true intent was never absent. So we're never separated from the goal. We're separated in physical form. But that connection, we being his creations, that never changes. It cannot be altered. It cannot be tarnished. It can just be covered up by the ego's lies. And... So from this, it tells me, as I was saying earlier, when, if you're at that 7, 14, 21-year mark in your, in your relationship or friendship or with a family member, who knows, when that relationship ascends, goes to ascend to the next level and you start to experience turbulence, and maybe it's an easy fix, maybe it's not, maybe, um, maybe the answer is to end it, maybe you've, you've, it's run its course. But at that mark, you have to ask the Holy Spirit in, and let him help you build a new foundation for that relationship. You have to keep the core and let, let's say, let's use outdated furniture. If, if certain aspects of your, your relationship are no longer in style, then you want to change those. Allow that to be rearranged for you. Um, 
then you, if you take a look at the relationship in a more mature way, then you're more in alignment with that new level where the relationship kind of went without your knowledge or without your permission. We want things to stay the same. It can't. It's, it's got to keep moving. It's going to keep evolving. Mm-hmm. We just have to adapt once again with it. So to emphasize that point, I did mention earlier in paragraph five, only a radical shift in purpose could induce a complete change of mind about what the whole relationship is for. What is its purpose? But going back to paragraph four, sentence three states, the conflict between the goal and the structure of the relationship is so apparent that they cannot coexist. So here is where we get to the point where that structure is starting to shift. The earthquake reference. Everything beneath your feet is starting to move. What do you do? You have to, you have to ask for that radical shift. You have to ask for, um, clarity so that you can see the conflict between the goal of what you think this relationship is for and the structure you built and built upon. So you have to allow him to let you look at the relationship anew, build a new foundation, a more mature foundation. You're on a different level. And as you come into that emotional and spiritual maturity, I think these turbulent periods are much easier to navigate, see the truth within them, see the other person for who they really are. There's a lot less nonsense, I think, when we allow that spiritual maturity to occur. And we, and we start to find the peace that we're looking for. We, let me pull that back. I think it comes into sharper focus that what we really are looking for is not that special love. It's peace. Mm. You know, the feeling of sitting next to a warm hearth with fuzzy slippers and a warm blanket <laughs> becomes that's what I wanted all along, not the fancy night, nights out and the pretty dress and the high heels and the dinners and <laughs> champagne. All that nonsense. It's, it's for kids. A real relationship mm. relishes peace. And once peace, and then once that's achieved, anything is possible. Yeah, and, and you know, that line you just read, it's about, you know, what, setting the goal. Um, if your goal is peace, then your relationship has to change because anything that you've been pursuing that isn't peace isn't going to fit the goal. Um, you know, we change the goal, oh, I want a holy relationship, and then go, uh-oh, what did I do? Well, maybe I better change the goal back again. No, it doesn't work that way. Once you wake up enough to say, this is what I want, you can't go back. You know, you can't, you know, you can't unring the bell, as they, they like yes. to say. So the goal is now there. The relationship has to change to match the goal. And and that's where the sense of disruption and aimlessness and all of the uh, – the sort of, whoa, where am I now? This isn't what I thought I was signing on for. That's where it all comes from. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. when you follow a lot of the new age stuff, it's like, oh, yes, you know, I'm going to embrace love and my relationships will all be loving and everyone's going to shine with light. Well, you know, maybe at the very, very end stage, that's true. Um, But when you make that decision to change, a lot of stuff in your life is gonna gonna change too, and as you release those old goals, as you were saying, Shar, you know, all of those egos, you know, seek and do not find. Um, you're not gonna know what. You're not gonna know where you're going. In fact, it goes deeper than that. You're gonna be confused about who you are or even what mm. you are. 
And mm-hmm. that's a creative confusion. That's a, you know, they talk about creative disruption in Silicon Valley that, you know, sometimes you have to disrupt the status quo in order to move in a different direction. Um, they also call that a paradigm shift, you know, that, 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 that it gets to a point where there's enough there in science, there are places where there's so much data that doesn't fit the existing understanding, uh, you know, that, that you have to just, give it all up and come to a completely different um, paradigm, a completely different overview of what you're trying to do. And, and mm. that's what this is. So, you know, this, this last paragraph, it's just a lovely capstone that, that says, you know, hey, I, I mean, I love that line, your way is lost, but think not this is loss. You know, it's saying, you know, the only thing you're losing is loss. <laughs> um, you know, um, you're losing the way that you thought you had. I mean, it's one of those nice little well, places in the course where they engage in some wordplay. Um, yes. But, but the paragraph itself is making the point that goes to the whole metaphysics of the course that illusion is illusion. A dream is a dream. It was never real. You never lost God. You never lost the truth about who you are or who your brother is. So this is um, the reawakening. You know, walk together along a road far more familiar than you now believe. Of course, you're going to remember a goal that's been unchanged throughout eternity. You know, you changed. The goal never changed. Um, mm. And it harkens back to the course's introduction where it says you don't get to choose the curriculum. You only get to elect what you want to take at a given time. We can delay. We can obfuscate. We can, you know, um, run off in all kinds of different directions. But the curriculum is the curriculum because there's only one truth, and it never changed. And given enough time, we're going to wake up. It's, it's pre, preordained because it never, the illusion never happened. You know, I've had mornings where um, I'll wake up and it's like, oh, I'm going to go back to sleep and I'll have a complete dream. And then I look at the clock and only five minutes have gone by. And I, oh, yeah, good. I got more time. And I have another complete dream. Each dream feels like it takes, you know, days to unfold. But in, 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 in the reality of waking life, they were just, you know, mere minutes. They were blips. Um, how much more so? the relationship of this dream of the ego to the truth that's never changed. So it reminds me of, you know, one of the most famous lines in the course uh, that I'll read, you know, um, which is back in chapter eight, section six, paragraph nine, the journey to God is merely the reawakening of the knowledge of where you are always and what you are forever. It is a journey without distance to a goal that has never changed. A journey without distance to a goal that has never changed. It feels like a journey to us because we've drifted so far. But really, you know, a journey without distance isn't a journey. There was no distance. You were there all the time. The goal has never changed. When we make the holy relationship our goal, we're simply returning to an acceptance of what is rather than a wish for what isn't, a wish that we could be separate from God and special and, you know, have our own little world uh, where we can be miserable. And, you know, no, as you were saying, Shar, the goal of the relationship becomes peace because peace is our truth. Um, so it's the reawakening of the knowledge of where you are always and what you are forever. 
and that's true as an individual as a pseudo individual as a seeming individual but how much more true in a relationship um in in my uh the, the forthcoming book I say, you know, relationships are the classrooms in which the Holy Spirit teaches us the true nature of self. What I mean by go. that is if we're all one, how do we begin to put those separate pieces together except, oh, in relationship? So here you and I are, Shar, you know, doing the course together, sharing it with all of our brothers and sisters. That's holiness. That's joining. And we do that with our spouses and we do that with our children and we do that with our parents and we do that with our coworkers and we do that, you know, with the politicians we see on TV. Um, and as we do that, we are healing the, the, the entire world. But you don't do it by going, oh, I'm going to heal the entire world. Of course, salvation is the job of each one of us. But we get there by looking at what's in front of us, and that's the relationships that we have made special and that we can now choose to allow to um, give them to the Holy Spirit to become holy relationships. Okay, mm. my sermon is con concluded. <laughs> that was great. A <laughs> um, couple, couple things. So, yes, yeah. I want to go back to the first sentence of paragraph nine. You are very new in the ways of salvation and think you have lost your way. When we've lost our way, we feel we've lost our bearing, we've lost our sense of direction, we feel threatened because now we're in unfamiliar territory once again. The familiar being the consistent, which translates to stable to the ego, and then the unfamiliar, which is wildly uh, unexpected and unpredictable. And so it triggers fear. So even though in any given relationship you may feel lost as to where it's going or what to do or how to fix something that seems dysfunctional, but you're not lost. You're being guided into a new direction. Your way is lost. Right. But, think, but think not this is lost. Loss is different when you're lost in your direction in life. Say, okay, help me pick a new direction. I don't know where to go. Where do I go? Just point to it, and I will willingly walk towards it until and, and await the next directive. Um, that's, that's what I wanted to point out. You know, you're, you're being guided. Um, you're not alone. You're not lost. Um, and with reference to seeking but, but not finding. So you, you can either constantly run around seeking but never finding what you want, or you can stand still and remember. Mm, that's nice. And, and as that memory comes over you, and you get comfortable with it, then you you can, by contrast, make that comparison. I'm not happy when there's a whole lot of specialness and ego in my relationships. I'm happiness with the I'm happiest with the harmony and the peace that it makes me feel. The oneness of it. And relationships are they're quirky, you know. We yeah. have friends that. That are that have big personalities, but you can't depend on them. But you love their personality, and they make and they make you laugh. That's fine as long as you see it for what it is. But to take a romantic relationship and think that you found the love of your life and the father of your children, or or <laughs> the woman of your dreams, and try to make that person fit that, mm -mm. no, you 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 are not the sculptor. You are the sculpture. <laughs> you don't yeah, get to make those well, that's decisions. Good. And, you know, that earlier section in, I guess it's at 
toward in chapter 16 uh, toward the end where it says you know that the uh the special relationship begins to die the moment it comes together because because it's all fantasy so the moment the real being comes into your life you know in 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 in, in the my forthcoming book uh, it's like yeah you know Romeo and Juliet look great as long as they can never get together except for brief little flashes um you know I said, envision a different life where Romeo and Juliet get married, they have kids, they grow fat together, their kids rebel, some of the kids die. I mean, you know, you wake up to your partner's bad breath, you know, they're making bad spending decisions. The moment reality, I mean, and I'm not talking coarse reality, I'm talking, you know, the ego's illusion reality. The moment you have to deal with a real human being, there's conflict, and, and the fantasy goes out the window, and that's where a lot of people go, oh, I made a bad choice. I'm going to get divorced. I'll find someone better. What the Course is basically saying is, you know, yeah, you can go find someone better, but it's a geographic cure. It's not going to work. Decide to change the goal. The goal, make the goal holiness, not specialness, and see what happens. Um, and, yes, that might still be ending the relationship, um, but you'll end it in a very, very different way, and you'll go on, um, you know, in a very different way. Yes. Go ahead, on. That's an important point to me because, you know, with paragraph 7, it says, now the ego counsels thus, substitute this for another relationship. Okay, you could do that, but I want to point something out to somebody because I had to point this out to someone close to me some time ago. Taking your whole Romeo and Juliet reference where reality hits and the bad breath in the morning and she's got warts on her face and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I was promised. I'm going to go find something else. Here's the thing. Bodies change. doesn't matter. What you're opting to do is to walk away from an investment and start all over again with someone else just because they're new. Look at what you've invested in any given relationship. Someone close to me was saying, you know, it's that, I don't understand why guys do this, but, you know, I know women can be funny, but I get the, you know, she's crazy. I got to get away from her. And I said, you know what? You have 20 years invested in this. She's your family. She's not just your girlfriend and your wife or the mother of your children. She's your family. This is what you cultivated. You don't just throw it in the trash and decide it's it's useless. After 20 years of building it, no, renovate it. Mm. You know, I said, I said, what are you going to do? Go hook up with somebody else. Maybe they have kids, and then you're going to demand that your children treat those other children like siblings. It's not fair. Good luck. Yeah. No, renovate Rarely it, works out, unless your last name's your Brady. Architect. <laughs> yeah, unless your last name's Brady, it's not going to work the way you think huh. it's going to work. And why huh. put people through that? That's your family. This is what you created. Unless something so sinister or dire is going on, you don't get to say, well, that person is just crazy because they're changing or their hormones are different or they're getting older, that kind of thing. I just wanted to point that out that, you know, look at how much you've invested and see if it's worth saving before you follow the ego's directive to go find a new model. Because you're going to start all over again, you're going to wind up in the same place with that person. 
Well, and isn't it still the wilderness where we're looking to the past, you know, the past of our youth? Uh, oh, wasn't it great when we were 20? Well, you know, if you're 40, you're never going to be 20 again. If you're 60, you're never going to be 40 again. And some of the, I mean, I've seen some miserable older couples where all that happens is they're sniping at each other constantly. But I've also seen older couples um, where, in a sense, all the old stuff just sloughs off. And because they're in, they're frail and they're infirm and issues like sexuality just don't even show up anymore, um, mm-hmm. there's just a purity of love and appreciation that comes through that you're never going to get in Romeo and Juliet world. Um, it's just not going to be there, you know? Yeah. Uh, At least they're so, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and after was, after you've gone through 40 years of, of all kinds of stuff, I mean, you know, if you've walked a journey that long, you're going to have a lot of appreciation for your partner. Especially if you make it through your, the decade of, of your 40s, because that's when you really figure out who you are and what you want. That's when you really make progress in that maturity that I was alluding to earlier. Um, I want to, um, what's coming to mind, I want to reference um, this year, we lost President H.W. Bush, George H.W. Bush. Mm-hmm. But his wife Barbara went first. And when that happened, I was looking at him, and they had been together for so long. And when, yeah, when like you're together with somebody like something. that, so yeah. ridiculous amount, like they got married when they were 12. And, yeah, I like that. And you start to, you know, over time, you start to blend with that other person where even your physical features start to line up. That that's an incredible, you know, thing to experience. But when she left, I looked at him and I said, "Oh no, he's not going to hang around much longer." Right. That he's got to go be with her, and it didn't take long. I think it was only a matter of a few weeks. Yeah, I don't remember, but I, I, I had that same thought. You know, they're they're a couple, and uh, they're not. He isn't supposed to be here without her, or he no. won't let himself be. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, yeah. he he said he all I he said he felt like a crybaby, and I was like, oh my god, imagine that the agony of that separation. And when he left, I was just so happy for him. Like, mm. good, they can go be together again, and not have to worry mm-hmm. about getting old or frail. So. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, this has been fascinating. Yeah. I knew I was going to have fun. Yeah, well, once you know, once again, I mean, I look over what we're reading. And I'm like, I, I don't know how much there is to say from these paragraphs, and we always seem to um, have no shortage of thoughts and ideas and um, good stuff. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Shar. Yeah, thank you. It, it's quite organic, I think. And um, I could, you know, I I could have read some of this yesterday and had one idea, and then I read it now, and there's an additional idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I do know what you mean. Yes, indeed. But either way, it's perfect right. in the moment. So we hope everybody enjoyed this. I certainly, I know we only did three paragraphs, but you know how we are. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. Three paragraphs <laughs> for us is par for the course. <laughs> yes, par for the course. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Yeah. Um, okay. Little pun and there. You have, mm-hmm, <laughs> you have selected a prayer for us today, and I, just to remind everybody. Um, Dr. Bob's website is drbob-author.com. That's D-R-B-O-B-hyphen-author.com. 
ACIM.org is where you want to go to check out uh, Course in Miracles and all the fun stuff that Dr. Bob and his team have put together. SpiritualInsightsRadio.com to review the archives and all the other good stuff we have going on with the show. There's been a lot of changes. It's going to get more interesting as time moves on. And just to thank you once again for your time and your service to the listeners, Dr. Bob. Thank you. And, yeah, and, you know, listeners should know, I mean, some of them might not be familiar. We have a huge archive of talks at this point. I mean, the early ones were on specific course topics. For the last two years, we've been, you know, reading through the text um, in this very, very deep um, way uh, and using it as stimulus. So, you know, go to Char's, uh, you know, website there, the, the Spiritual Insights, and check out all of the other stuff we've done. I mean, there's tons of it. I have some of it posted on my YouTube channel, which is Robert Rosenthal, MD, along with a lot of videos. But there's there's just so much rich stuff. Um, you could you could spend you know a lot of time listening to what we've done over what is it like five years now, six years? Six. <laughs> it's been a while. We met. We found each other on Facebook uh, several weeks before I launched the show. Huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I know my mm-hmm. book was the my first book was pretty new when we started talking, so yeah. Yes. And you offered to send me a copy if I was comfortable giving you my home address. And at the <laughs> bottom of that note, you said, and by the way, I've I've been serving on the board of directors for the Foundation for Inner Peace since 1992. And so that was the day my husband came home and found me in the yard staring at the grass like Forrest Gump. Because throughout this whole journey with A Course in Miracles, what was in the back of my mind was, who are these people? How did they get all this down? Who is running this? Who are these people? So I was fascinated by this invisible group of people at the helm of this miraculous work. And you sent me this message. I I remember one of my closest friends is Rosewind Stanley Trev. She's one of those fiery people who on Facebook has several groups with like enormous numbers, like 30,000 people, 30,000 members, 40,000. That's where I saw you and you had said something. I don't know what you said, but I clicked the like button. And I think that made you say, what's this spiritual insights thing? You went to my page and then said, Oh, okay. She does the course. She does all this other stuff. Your page is very diverse and I really like it. And I have a, a lot of likes. But um, that's how that all got started, and it just stuck. (laughs) Here we are. It's just – Once again, we don't have the big picture. No. No. It was, was, you know, Charlotte, start a radio show. I don't know how to do that, Jesus. Don't worry about it. You will. You know, and then one thing and then the next, and you put one foot in front of the other, and I had – big visions on how I was going to teach A Course in Miracles on the show. This blows my vision of it away because I get to do it with you with your extensive experience. But that's what happens every time is what we think we're giving up turns out to give us so much more, so much more. Um, You know, uh, Judy Scutch Whitson was told, you know, um, by – like a premier numerologist, you're going to publish one of the premier, you know, spiritual works of all time. She was like, what are you talking about? I'm not a publisher. You know, I, I give lectures here and there and I have a foundation to support parapsychological research. 
Well, you know, once again, big picture Holy Spirit, suddenly you're publishing this book and it's the rest of your, her life. And, and, you know, she just, she looks back. Um, there's a Yiddish expression called Kvel, K-V-E-L-L, which is like you're just filled with warmth and, you know, those sort of trills that go up your spine, like at how well it worked out. And I was with her yesterday. We were going over a lot of stuff. And at the end, I just said to her, how amazing that, you know, we came together in 1974 before she even had A Course in Miracles and sensed a connection and that that carried through into the course when I was 20 years old. And here we are, you know, I'm 64, she's 88 and we're sitting together. And I mean, nobody could have, you know, there's no storyteller on earth who would have mapped out that (laughs) storyline. It's all wonderful. Nope, no way, no way. And and ours too, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, I, here we are. Uh, I, if you would said, oh, if someone had told me, oh, you're going to be doing radio shows with this person who, by the way, you've never met in person and you're going to feel close and those shows are going to get better and better and the synergy between you guys is going to get absolutely amazing where you just bounce off of each other and go in these wonderful directions – I would have been like, wow, that sounds nice. I'll believe it when I see it. Yep, here we are. Mm-hmm. Here we are. I love love you, is the way we walk in gratitude, <laughs> and we have the gratitude. <laughs> yep. Awesome. All right. And on so, that. What prayer have you chosen for us today? So I'm going to read the prayer from Lesson 264, um, I Am Surrounded by the Love of God. And uh, – I'm going to read it, and then uh, we'll close. I am surrounded by the love of God. Father, you stand before me and behind, beside me, in the place I see myself and everywhere I go. You are in all the things I look upon, the sounds I hear, and every hand that reaches for my own. In you, time disappears, and place becomes a meaningless belief. For what surrounds your son and keeps him safe is love itself. There is no source but this, and nothing is that does not share its holiness, that stands beyond your one creation or without the love which holds all things within itself. Father, your son is like yourself. We come to you in your own name today to be at peace within your everlasting love. Amen. Amen. Wow. All right, everyone. That is our show for today. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.